everybody, it's Brandon Dawson. Welcome back to another episode of Building Billions. Today, we're gonna to be talking to Michael Brown, who sold his coffee shop, Death Wish Coffee, for hundreds of millions of dollars, a company he founded and built and then exited. So this episode of Building Billions is going to be the interview of Michael Brown. I hope you enjoy this. And you know, the most important thing for me is that you leave a review or any questions or comments, please leave them in the comments line. Thank you for listening to another episode of Building Billions. So introduce yourself, tell everybody tell everybody who you are and what and what, what you did in your business. Yeah, so my name is Mike Brown. I, I, uh, I was in the coffee business for 10 years. Uh, I, well, 12 years, but I owned own Deathwish Coffee and I was uh, the founder and I sold the company last in 2021. Also, because of like, like some people here, maybe, I don't know. I was broke. I was like, neg I have negative, way negative dollars in about 12 years ago. Like I was living behind my mom's garage. Like I was like, she's like paying my bills. It was very embarrassing for a 30 year old. And um, I don't know. I just like put my, I stopped like hanging out with my friends and I just put my nose to the grindstone and I like ran the business and like did what I had to do and grew the company. Um, but un until the exit and the exit was like, it was unbelievable for me. It was like what I was waiting for, but at the same time, I didn't realize, or I didn't realize it at the time I thought about it. I didn't have the, like the exact dollar amount written down, like in, in my like notepad or anything, but I did have like some like inkling of, all right, if this number comes across like my desk, I'll probably like, I'll cash out it off. So it's been, it's been great ever since. So, so did somebody come to you and say, Hey, we want to buy your coffee or did you decide to shop it? Good question. So I started getting annual valuations, um, of my company about three years prior, just to see like. And it wasn't to like see what the company was worth. It wasn't, or slightly an ego thing. Also slightly a, um, how do I make my business better? How do I make my business like more valuable? And, and, and that's what they told me. They're like, okay, Mike, here's where your business is at. And here's what you can do to make it more valuable. So, and I took those um, considerations um, and, and, I, and I structured my business to, to, I basically did what they told me. I'm great at following directions, which is awesome. Also, if I, if I can give anyone any advice, just follow directions. It's if listen, listen, listen to Brandon. Like, I wish, I wish I like found Brandon like before I I started like Deathwish Coffee because it would I would have sold it for a billion. <laughs> I would have sold it for a billion, but it's it's just following directions. And um, I guess what I'm saying is that I did not. Well. Yeah, I, it, it was a it was a lot of um, a, it was a good time for it was a good time to sell a business in twenty twenty one. So do you so you start one coffee shop? How how did you get it going? Yeah, so I was an accountant in for New York State, horrible job for a while, and uh, I went to school for accounting. Decided uh, I, I quit my accounting job and hung on coffee shops with all the other losers there. <laughs> and I'm like, I can run one of these things. Um, so I started a coffee shop and man, I like ran that place into the ground. Like, <clears throat> give me like a great, great thing and let me ruin it. And I did. Um, but while I'm running, I did learn a lot of like lessons about business uh, in terms of like how to treat the customer, how to like what they're asking for. Like, don't give them like a thousand options. Like, let's just keep it simple. And once I finally heard what they were asking for, like I gave it to them. So every, every customer that came in was like, Mike, give me a cup of your strongest coffee. He's like, what is it? What do you mean? Like, what do you mean your strongest coffee? Like, do you want the most caffeinated coffee? Do you want the strong, do you want like something that tastes strong? Do you want like something dark? Do you want like, I don't know. So once I found like zero that in, I'm like, I can't believe no one's like marketing this right now or like trying to sell the world's strongest coffee. So that's what I did. I'm like, all right, I, I being in the coffee world and running my coffee business into the ground, I knew like, because I, I, I do constantly study. I do constantly like work on myself and work on like the business. It's not like it's, it's every day. Um, I did find out like what the strongest beans are, like what these 
um, what the coffee beans are that like the coffee industry is looking down upon. And they, at the time they're all looking down on like this Robusta bean, which honestly is the best coffee bean on the planet. But the whole coffee industry fucking hated it. So it was like one of these things where it's like, oh, hold on, I have a, a coffee bean nobody wants. It doesn't cost anything. It's like so cheap. So, but it has more caffeine. It tastes stronger. It's easier to grow. It's better for the environment. It's more organic. It's like, it had all those like positive qualities that like you would want in a, in a, in any, in any product you're like putting in your body. Um, so I basically grabbed it, took hold of it when no one else would and like blew it up and like made it like, this is my coffee. This is my like, death wish coffee, world's strongest coffee. Like, and I can't believe how many people like resonated with that. Also, I call it death wish coffee because so people ask me this a lot, like, why'd you call it death wish coffee? And it's like, well, I had a coffee shop. It was called Saratoga Coffee Traders. And I wasn't very inspired to work on it. Once I called it death wish coffee, like it woke me up every day. And I, every day I woke up and I wanted to work on it. Like I have so much energy still when I hear the brand, like the brand name. So if you're like, have something, that's why I love Grant. Grant too, and you brand them like with the 10X. I am, I'm excited when I hear that, man. So excited. Sorry, I'm like in a million different directions, but you know what I'm saying. So, so you, so literally, you took your coffee shop that was failing. Yeah. You honed in on this one product. Yes. And you said, I'm just going to own that space in the world. Yeah. I took it. Created a cool brand. Like, honestly, Death Wish coffee just sounds badass, right? I was trying to figure out how to use that brand in some of our 10X health products, but I couldn't figure out how to put the two together. I have so many ideas. <laughs> ideas are, yes. So, so look, so, so he took a, a, a problematic business, listened to his customers, went out, saw an opportunity in the marketplace, and literally took something that nobody else wanted, created the brand known domain on it, figured out how to sell it online, and... And so by the time you sold, how many stores did you have versus what your revenue were from online sales? Honestly, I, here's like one of the things that like I underestimated. I didn't underestimate how powerful having your business where people are buying it. You know what I mean? Like I was selling online for a while. I was like, yeah, it's sweet. Like I'm making like 20, 30 million. I'm not making revenue, not like profit, but profit is pretty good too. But I was like doing like 20, 30, 40 million dollars. But it was like, once we got into Walmart, holy shit. Like Walmart is, first of all, I've never dealt with a more fair like company in my life. Like I love them. They're like the, they're best. And like, they're so massive. You know how many people go to Walmart? I don't know. But we sold so much, so much coffee and we still are like in Walmart. It's unbelievable. And same thing with Amazon. We sell so much shit on Amazon. It's like one of those things like get in front, where you're, where your customers shopping, be there. You got to get there because guess what? Like if you're like trying to like work on like the, I don't know, on the outskirts of where your customers are shopping, like you're not going to make any money. You need to like be in, you need to be on main street. You need to be on like Broadway. You need to be on like all location. And it's wow. So powerful. So all also, of a sudden it starts taking off. Taking off. What were your revenues that you sold? Uh, I think 60 million. 60 million when I sold. I sold a good time too. Like, like the multiples are like super high. Yeah, it sounds like Thank you were revenue for 60 million. Yeah. So you sold it five times revenue, six times revenue? Yeah. It was wild. And I'm not the smartest guy. You guys can tell me. I have a big belief system. Like it is like nonstop. Like every, I mean, you, everyone who's talked to me here, like you guys know where my head's at. Cause I'm always like thinking about the next thing. And I'm always like big belief. Let's go. Let's get it accomplished because I don't know. I don't, it's, there's no limits here. There's no rules in this world. There's no rules. We're just, we're just going. So you can see, you know, when you're, when did you do the assessment? What's your name badge? Let me look at it. My three R's? Yeah, your R3. Yeah. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. I'm very high on the analyzer side. I'm very high on the driver side. That makes total sense. And it's 
and it's a curse. It's a blessing and a curse because yeah. I'm always doubting myself. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, we have to do all this. And then it's like, let's go. But I'm like, let's figure it out first. That's <laughs> like such like, honestly, my girlfriend hates me and it's very stressful. I don't say that. So, I, so he's got, you guys know. so you know, I have a call and I see he's at like a campground and I see a satellite disc behind him. And I'm like, where are you? He goes, well, I'm in the middle of nowhere, but this, the Starlink thing is amazing and it works better than Wi Fi at home. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, oh, for the next month or two, we're just going to go and stay in all these parks and go. And I'm like, uh huh. I said, well, I'll see you in Arizona. And, uh, and I hung up the phone and I said, I'll bet you by the time he gets to Arizona, he ain't staying in any trailer parks or something. And so that I was him, true. I, was, I see him and I'm like, hey man, how are the parks going? He goes, I bailed on that a couple of weeks ago. It was, yeah. Yes. This is, this is a very true story. And how long did you make it? Like a month. It's pretty good, right? With a, with a girl and two dogs, like eh, my girl, two dogs in a camper, like, I need my space. I need my space. It's, um, everyone does. So what's life after the deal for you? Like all of a sudden, you know, you go from totally broke to, to now, yep. now you have more money than you probably ever dreamed of having. Is your mom still alive? Got money. Yeah, she is. Is, is she like, is she like, you owe me rent for staying in the back? No, like I try to give her money. She like doesn't want it. She's like, no, I got my social security. She's sweet. She's like the sweetest woman. But yeah, no, I have a, like a lot of money, a lot of time, uh, vacation I want. Sweet house, lots of cars, like all like dumb shit. But like, it doesn't, for me, like it, the reason, I don't know if you guys know this, the reason I reached out to Brandon is because after a year of fucking around with like dumb money, I was like, I was so unfulfilled. I almost wanted, I, I just, I, I'm a business person. Like I need it. I, what you guys teach and learn here is it, it might as well be, be gospel because it's like my church. This is what I go to. This is what like brings me back to like the, to being like, I don't know, like a human in a way. Um, just because it's it's such. It's it's what. I mean, it's me, I guess, in a way. I'm talking around a lot. Let me try to say one. Let me try to say that clearer. I'm not great with words, by the way. I really missed not having something going on in my life when I did not have the business. Working on the business is, it brings, I'm so I, I actually bought a business because I didn't have my business and now I'm working on it every day and it doesn't make fucking any money, but it's, it brings so much joy to my heart because I'm helping like others and I'm like, and, and I, I do feel like that it keeps you in the game, you know? Imagine if you're like a professional athlete, right? And like, guess what? Like you're right, not Jordan. Obviously, I'm not not him. But like, <laughs> let's say like you're a professional athlete and then you retire. I imagine they're going through the same mental things that I did when I like sold my business, and then I need to get back into it at, on some level. And I think when I met you, you said I saw a video you did, Brandon, where you talked about after you sold your business, you hit an all new low, and you had to find something to replace it because you're just spending money and it was and it wasn't fulfilling anything because the thing that really fulfilled me was building and impacting lives and you came to a boot camp nobody even knew who you were and then somebody said hey this guy wants to meet you and you're like i came here specifically to talk to you yeah i mean you know once you've like ran the course like 10 years i devoted my life to like running a business you know when you see someone speak if they're talking the truth or not. And I've watched, like, I've been through the gamma. Like, I've, I have been all, I've been all the Tony Robbins courses, I've been all the Gary Vee things, like, I, I met all, whatever. Everyone who was like, like, paid a lot of money to get their name out there, I, I've been like, I've been there, I've been on the course. Like, Brandon, you like, dude, you speak the truth, and it's not like, it's, and it's, it hits, it hit me on a level where it's like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. Finally, finally, I found someone who like, so this, this is like, so I had like my whole, one of my, this was like my plan after I like sold my business. I was going to take everything I learned because I take meticulous notes and I read a ton of books. Like my library is nuts. And every book has like 
underlines and like fucking tabs and all those books. And I was just like, I'm just gonna write the best business book ever. And I watched Brandon and I started like listening to you or your teaching. I'm like, and he put it together. You, Brandon, you put it together so much better than I ever would. And I was like disheartened at, the, at one point. I was just like, fuck, like he already did it. Like he's God. But at the same time, I'm like, he's my guy. He's my guy from now on. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be the guy, but whatever. He's the guy. Like, I'll just follow him. <laughs> so you guys hear when I say, you know, because he just said it, and we've never had this conversation, but when I started listening to Grant, I'm like, okay, it's like, it's like being a world-class piano tuner. When you hear, when you walk in a room and you hear one tone or one, what do they call it, one, one note, you'll know if that piano is tuned right. You don't need to listen to a whole bunch of notes. Just one note and you'll be like, it's in or it's out or it's close or it's off. And when you actually, this is why when I say to you guys, there's a lot of people that talk about it and a lot of you professors pretend like they're gonna teach on it and all these things. But the truth is, if you've never done it, it isn't the big idea that works or doesn't work. It's the little granular nuances at some point in time that you're gonna encounter at each one of those breakpoints where you have to make a really good decision or you make a bad decision and you either catch yourself or you don't and you either recover or you don't and they're little tiny granular nuances that you no one's gonna tell you in advance, oh, by the way, these, these are the things that are probably gonna happen. And so when someone's like, oh, build a billion dollar business and, and blah, 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 you, know, you can tell right away if they're full of shit based on the words they're using and if they've ever done it or not done it. So I appreciate you saying that you started watching and you're like, I can tell by what he's saying, he's been there and he's done it. And, and I, I went on the same journey because I, I, I listened to the Tony Robbins stuff, the Gary Vee, because when Natalie put a list of the top 10 influencers together and said, hey, you know, maybe somebody in this influential category, the only person that I found that actually spoke business truth with specificity relative two components was Grant with marketing and sales. And, and I'm like, okay, he's got that nailed. And when I went to GrowthCon, he had other people talking about all the other things. And that's where my epiphany was, is that he doesn't do all those other things. So if I do those eight things and he does the two, we'll have 100% of everything. And, and that's what propelled me into partnering with Grant. And, and so you can see now I'm starting to bring some friends in that I've developed relationships with, with Ken yesterday, with Mike today. Ken was cool. Is awesome, and 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 he was like, isn't he amazing? He's like a master class, and like, did. he's as cool as a cat. He's he's oh, yeah. I don't know if we resonated, but <laughs> he is cool. <laughs> calm. He said to him, "I'm too crazy." I, he said, "I don't. <laughs> you're just so calm and composed." There's different. I want you guys to meet all these different people that I have the privilege to meet because you're going to meet people that are quirky. You're going to meet people that are, you know, crazy. You're gonna meet people that are calm. You're gonna meet people that are humble. You're gonna meet people that are remarkably intellectual because those are the people, I like to spend my time with all those people because really what it reinforces to me is there isn't a defined way. It's the resilience of the business owner to get creative and to pursue greatness. And for him to be working in a coffee shop that was busting, but decide this ain't gonna work, I gotta figure something else out make a pivot to something that was actually easier than trying to serve 50 different coffees, right? So easy. So easy. It, yes. And you got known for it and it blew up. I mean, I would say it's so easy. I mean, it took a lot of yeah. work, but thinking back, it's like, yeah, there's like a handful of steps that you guys all, I mean, you teach here, like, it's like, just do the, just, just do it. Just copy it. Copy what you guys are teaching, follow the directions. And that's what I'm probably the best at is putting my nose, like, into my books and like following direction, like just doing what people tell me to do and, and it works. What, from a business standpoint, what were some of your most impactful or favorite books? Ooh, that's a great one. Um, so there's one called the, called like, mm, I'm, I'm probably not gonna get the, the title of it right, but it's called something like Gazelles or something like, um, not Massive Growth, but like, it's like the Gazelles group or something. Scaling up. Thank you so much. Scaling up. Yeah. The Gazelles group. Dude, follow that. That's priceless. Jim Collins, like good to great. That's so that was easy. my go-to. Easy. Like 
the the just studying the whole good to great, great by choice, how the mighty fall, yeah. uh, the flywheel, the, all those business concepts were for me. It's kind of what him and Maxwell pushing it together. Hey, give me a system. Like a lot of those systems work. And don't get me wrong. There's like you don't have to follow up. There's more than one way to to succeed in business, and that's why like now that I have the private equity group and run, run the company, it's like sometimes I'm like, oh fuck, I wouldn't do that, but it's working. It's working. There's more than one way to do it. Um, as long as I think their principles are sound and they're like following. But honestly, Brian is teaching the principles. They're in the they're in they're in the they're in the course. They're in the BMLP. Like I'm, I've been going through it, and I was like, I wish I had this. I wish I had this before. So I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional again. I wish I had this before, because man, it would help me out so much. So many like tears and so many days and so many like arguments I had with my team man if I would have had all, what you guys are learning right now beforehand fuck it would be so much easier <laughs> don't get me wrong I'm okay but it would have been easier <laughs> yeah question yeah hi Michael so impressive exit 100% uh, I want to ask about the buyer so the buyer had to see something way way bigger yeah. You know, in your company to pay five times it's it's a yeah. ridiculous you know valuation right yeah. five times revenue so that means they saw something i don't know are we trying to go to the multi-billion dollar dollar brand or something like that yeah i'd like to say with my personality like i made him on the you know i met him i gave him like i saw my team they saw me uh, but honestly we because we had those early valuations done and because i was given um things basically a, a to-do list of like how to make my business look more not look even be more valuable and i just did those things so so when i finally started talking to the buyers it wasn't like it was like a three years three years coming in a way and what i mean by that is i had already like my accounting is was so sound like my analytics like unbelievable like i knew every number from the in the company like I only focus, I'm, I'm very good at like with, I was an accountant beforehand. I'm very good at numbers. I'm very good with analytics. I'm very good with like, that's all I do right now from this other company. I bought. Um, and it's, I, I geek out on it. So they like saw that, um, what they probably saw where the weakness was. Cause you want to like, how do I say this? You don't want to like it was I wasn't the best company in the world, obviously, um, but they saw opportunity for growth. And I think if you like you give them a great company with opportunity for growth, like that to them is just like I'm trying to think about a good word that's not perversive. Um, that made them very happy. Like, <laughs> so is that growth was kind of projected in your? valuation reports or some type of analytics like where you're projecting like how yeah. fast the company can yeah grow. yeah yeah so yes exactly and and by the way for all of you i hope you're taking some notes here uh when we platform your business we do five different valuations when you're in the strategic business unit every year we revalue your business remember how you guys hear me talking about this because what it does is it starts drawing your attention to not just your income, because a lot of business owners are like, I went from paying myself a million dollars to a million and a half dollars. They're not thinking about the fact that that extra half a million just created three to five million of equity value in their business. So all of a sudden you stop doing silly stuff and you start thinking about how do I grow my business by 10 million a year in value? And so you start asking people questions, quality of your questions always uh, determine the quality of your impact. So as you're, as you're doing your revaluations re and someone's giving you advice, here's what you need to put in place. Because the way you get a high value in a transaction is the more confidence that you can give to a buyer, the more money they're going to pay. So if you're running a dirty operation, they're going to pay you less because they know that there's a lot of problems. But if you have, if you have and remember I, I tell you guys, if, you're, if, you're, if your documentation's clean, if your numbers are solid, if your projections are being hit year over year, then when they come in, they're like, okay, you've hit your projections three years in a row. So we're going to project out 10 years and we can see what this value of this company is going to be because we believe you versus randomizing. Like one year we do, we work hard and we did 10 million. One year we kind of took a lot of vacations and we did eight and a half million. And then one year 
uh, you know, we decided to go to Europe for 90 days. So we did 6 million because we were just, it's a lifestyle business. And then we went back to 8 million. And then you show someone this business that's like this and, oh yeah, but we run our cars and our, our boats and our guest homes and all of our vacations through the business and, you know, all our meals and, 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 and we take cash out of the business and buyers are like, they can't do that. Don't want any part of that shit because they know that the minute they buy you, you're not going to change your behavior. So super so, clean, Easy. super clean. And they check all that shit. Like, right. I like, I got adult chicken pox during the whole process. What is that called? Yeah, the shingles. I was so stressed out because I was like, they ran, they run you through the ringer. It's That's not like quality of earnings audit. It's like not, about. it's not like a, oh, we believe you. It's like a, get ready for your proctology exam, whatever it is called. Like it's, while you're awake. Josie, can we get the camera to Josie or the uh, camera? That's good, dude. This is a good group here. They, I, I have a question based around like those big stores like Walmart, Costco, things like that that you went into. They're awesome. Like, did you negotiate those deals? Were you, um, like, how did that conversation go down? And were you afraid of them leveraging you as a company? You know, uh, ordering a bunch of product and then. Walmart is the best vendor I've ever dealt with in my entire life. And, wh and what I mean by that is like, they have, they have this thing, they have, an, they have an open call every year or they like invite, or you can like, you can even invite yourself down to like Bennington and you can, you can go down there and like meet with the buyers and they, they let you write your own check. And guess what? If, if you, cause a lot of vendors do it. If, if you were like, oh my God, thank you for like, I want to like be in a 6,000, whatever. I don't know how many stores I got. If, you, if I want to be in 3,000 stores, you can't deliver. Yeah, they're going to like, they're going to like, they're going to fuck you because, but you made the commitment. Like they let you make your own commitment. If you can like do it, do it. But if you can't, so we started in 300 stores and then we moved to 1,000 stores and we moved to 2,000. So, so it was like a progression and they like held our hands the whole way. Walmart is a great vendor. It's a, honestly, I don't know how much stock I own those guys, but they like, I, I love that company. They like, they made, made, they made our company in a way. And they, they really changed. Cause you know, they went through, they, they and Costco went through a period of time where they were saying they were pred predators for small business because you'd show up because the people that would overpromise couldn't deliver. And then it would bankrupt the companies because they'd, they'd say you didn't deliver. So it was a contract and they'd either send the product back or they'd cut them off. And it was their only business because the bad business decisions. And so I always tell you guys, it's okay to have, it's okay to have Walmarts and Costco's, but you better have your shit in order. Yes. Cause they'll eat you up and gobble you up and they'll equally spit you out if you don't. So do fair. They're so fair though. I mean, it's, it's like, I think they're fair. And in terms of like, you agree to something, if you can agree, if, if you do it, great. If you can't live up to your obligations and they hit you. You're going to like my next guest that's coming this afternoon because he, he was groomed by Sam Walton. Oh, and okay. then okay. became the chief CEO of Sam's Club. And then he went on and he was... Very a great person then. He, he, yeah. <laughs> so, so you'll like him. There's a question back here. And this is my buddy here from Washington State. They own a coffee business. Our fir we, we bought a failing coffee shop. Our first day of business was $68. <laughs> I love it. And now we're... I can relate. <laughs> we related with some of some of your stories too. Like, what are we doing here, right? It was a side business. It was just you know something to do. It was cheap, of course. It's sixty-eight dollars in sales. But my question specifically was, what point were you in business when you decided that you know getting your own canning equipment so that you could sell cold brew and sell other liquid drinks? Yeah. What what point in your business were you when you decided that that was something you should do? Revenue wise. Yeah. I mean, the, the cold row is a nightmare. <laughs> the canning, canning coffee is a nightmare for me. That, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. I mean, just cause like we had a, re, we had a big ass recall and I'm like, I don't know if you, if you ever had, I mean, if anyone here has ever had to go through a recall on a product, it sucks. Like every like Ellen's just like, you know, Ellen, like TV show host, she's like talking shit about me. <laughs> it's, it's like one of those things where it's like, Oh God, like, um, so what point did we try everybody talk shit about her later? Yeah. yeah. What point did we like, 
What point did we decide to do was that? It, was it after you already had your dry products in? Yeah. Well, no, I think it was like in the middle. I, I had a very ambitious team and they were always just like tons of ideas, like idea, idea, idea. And I think like that was like our biggest, I don't know, hindrance. It's like, all right, guys, let's stop with all the, all the ideas and let's just focus on what's making us money and get this, get it done. Because at the end of the day, there was three things that like drove all of our profits. It was like bagged coffee and coffee mugs, believe it or not. And like, what else is the other one? Um, uh, single serve cups. Like the cold brew was the biggest fucking waste of money in terms of like all the money went out the door and nothing came, I mean, some came back, but not a lot. And it was like, what a, if I could like turn back the hands of time, but I would have never gone down that road because it's too expensive to ship. It's too heavy. You know, you can't like ship it anywhere and no, I mean, yeah. Beverage products are tough. I have a lot of like bad feelings about that, as you can tell. <laughs> My uh, general manager has a question. So is that okay, Brandon? Yeah. yeah. I... Sorry, it's expensive. Well, tell him a little bit, uh, explain to him how many locations and what your revenues are now. Okay. We have eight locations and we did our first franchise in December and we're at 10 million revenue right now. Oh, Want to get to 125 oh, in three how years. How many locations? Eight. And you're doing 10 billion? Yes. Wow. We have two companies. We have our distribution center, our roastery, and our bakery that is on one company, and then the eight stores. So together combined, we're at 10 million this year. So That's my great. question Hold on, is, hold on. Are you guys doing like a private label? Say that again. Are you doing private label or you're just. You we have Red Leaf Organic Coffee. Yes. Got it. Cool. Yeah. We have two that are private label. Got it. Um, so my question, Michael, is are you joining us for lunch today? And if so, can I make a reservation for three of us at your table? <laughs> yeah, I'll say with you guys. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> and remember, we're partners, so no sidestepping. <laughs> they actually, Thank you. They, they, my daughter literally goes to their location every single morning. Mm -hmm. When I send a picture, hey, do you know these guys? She goes, I get my coffee there every morning. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I do miss that. Uh, hey, Mike, appreciate this so much. When we had dinner at the last BMLP, you told me a story about you won some contest. It sounded like it was a big pivotal point for Oh, my God. Would so you mind lucky. sharing that? Yes. I'm like the luckiest motherfucker. I like, not, not only, all right, I, I won a Super Bowl commercial, which was a big boost for my business. Like, I, like, I, I joined the, or I entered the small business big game competition with Intuit QuickBooks. Everyone should use Intuit. Um, everyone should use QuickBooks. Anyways, that's that's aside. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so I, I won a Super Bowl commercial, which is wild, man. It's like a $7 million commercial and I won it. I mean, during Super Bowl 50, um, I don't, there is one lesson to be learned here. It's not just like entering the like random competitions, but like we were when 100% focused on winning this competition um, in terms of like, all we had to do is get people to go to our voting link and vote for the company. But what we learned during that time is because we were so focused as a team to getting people to that voting link, like imagine your whole team aligned to one, to do one thing, and a simple thing, not hard. Like your whole team, everyone that's working with you is only for the whole year, is just focused on one thing. and. Super Bowl commercial design, which is great. Uh, we, we did make a lot of money off that. But our business grew, probably it doubled before the Super Bowl commercial even hit, which is wild. Just because we are all like aligned and doing this, the, the right things, which is like promoting, which, which Grant says all the time, promote, promote, promote. That's all we did. We just promoted like that whole year. That answer it? <laughs> he's right he's taking his notes so did you hear what he said promote 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 that's all we did always be promoting until you get somebody's attention right it was yeah i wish we would do it now I, i've never been more angry when i see us not hit our numbers now and i'm like well what action did we take because guess what usually it's less than we needed to take it's always action. There's always action items we could take to hit our numbers. And we, when we when we fall short, 
guess what? We didn't do enough action. We didn't do, we didn't like send enough emails. We didn't send enough texts. We didn't like go out and meet people. Business is all just about like going out, introducing yourself. Hi, here, this is who I am. My name is Mike Brown. I sell Deathwish coffee. We're the world's strongest coffee. And then making the ask, this is who I am. This is what I sell. Please buy my product. It's simple. That's it. Those two steps, introduce yourself, excuse me, and ask two, two things. And if you do that more than your competitors, you'll win every time, every time. And I can't believe how people don't understand this. It frustrates, it frustrates me. Well, what happens, I think with business owners, they get under pressure and they start promoting what's wrong. Like you could have spent all your time promoting that the coffee shop is going out of business and everything sucked and people don't want, and it's hard to get the cold brew and everything's wrong. And why would I do this? And I could be doing other things. And you, you get into this promotion of what's wrong and then all you can see is what's wrong yeah but imagine if just instead of that you just walked or let's say there's the internet wasn't wasn't a thing and i just walked around everyone's doorstep and i i knocked on the door and introduced myself i am mike brown i sell deathfish coffee i have a coffee shop down the road nice to meet you i would love if you were a customer of mine come on in like if i did that i'd still have a successful business i know i would see how simple so simple and, and, and you guys overthink it. And you get to do that now here. You get to do it now here, right? You can do it right here and you can get people, thousands of people to see it and share it. Our social media, the power of social media. So you notice the book I'm putting out is the nine figure mindset. So I'm working on a trilogy. The next book that I'm already about halfway through is going to be uh, think of like traction or something like that. It's gonna be kind of the 10X operating system. It's gonna do, it's gonna break down the research I did, the studies on the different verticals that were went through consolidation and roll-ups, some current trends in the marketplace, what we predicted 10 years ago, what's happening today. And then it's gonna go into from the break points, then it's gonna go into the 10 elements, and then it's gonna go through each 10 elements, gonna have about 12 specific things in each 10 elements, so it'll be 120, it'll be those 120 things to get to 125 million basically. And uh, it's the how-to and then the third book that's gonna come out because by the time uh, that book comes out and we progress a little further, we will have created a billion dollar valuation in this company and my next book is gonna be the 10-figure mindset. So it's gonna show how I got to the nine-figure mindset and then how I progressed to the 10-figure mindset. And so I'm gonna own that space because it's like he said, there's so many bullshitters out there and I just feel like it's a completely free run right now. There is nobody that's painstakingly for 25 years figured out step block by block, person by person, contribution by contribution, result by result, measurement by measurement. There's nobody in the marketplace, not one have I seen that has actually done anything like this, nor do they have the skill set to do it. Even when I signed up for how to build a unicorn business sponsored and produced by Wharton. So I go on the first thing and it's being taught by a dentist with a $3 million business. Can I tell them about your, like how you push my belief? Yeah. Tell them whatever you want. Like, so when I talk to Brandon, sometimes like my beliefs are, I mean, you guys know, like with you, like you can, you basically like you're limited to your beliefs and some of that sounds like bullshit, but at this, at the end of the day, there's so much truth to that. Every time I talk to Brandon, he's like, Mike, stop, 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 stop. Like, where's your head at? And he like, he takes my brain from like, uh, like from this tiny shell and he like blows it out. And I like, honestly, after I talked to him, like for, I like look at my notes for months. I'm like, oh my God, like sometimes I don't know what he's talking about. Other times I'm like, it just, it just, it just bring it like, it makes me think bigger every single day. And, and I think if you, if you like surround yourself with people who make you think bigger and, and give you like the view of what's, um, the vision of what's possible, it, it like, it really like it's life changing. So and anyways, whenever, every time I talk to them, that's what happens to me, which is a, which is a great experience. And, um, so. I mean, obviously that's why you guys are here, but <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to share that. Appreciate that. And, and, and for me, what it does when someone's had so much success and now, uh, I made it a point to get in front of as many bil billionaires this year as I could, I've gotten in front of 28. Um, I've made it a point to start accumulating 
business owners who have completed the cycle because about 80% of businesses that go to sell fail because of the, when they crawl up there and do all the stuff, they realize it's all bad. And so it's one thing to grow your business. It's another thing to grow it correctly. And then it's another thing to create massive value intentionally. And those are different mechanics. And so, you know, when the, the whole thesis in the building billions I'm saying is that when you say, I want to build something that's a billion, you're talking about multiple things. It could be a billion in market value. It could be a billion in revenue. It could be billion in liquid value, you know, cash. Um, there's multiple ways. So when you say a billion and you got to like define, what does that mean to you? Because you can build a hundred million dollar company or in his case, or my case, I mean, both our valuations in the traditional sense are absurd. I had a $35 million company that I was paid $150 million for. And, and, and he, he had a $60 million company that he's paid five and a half times revenue. We both were five and a half times revenue, basically, I guess. And so there's not a lot of entrepreneurs that cr they can create a $100 million company or $200 million company, and they will not get that much money. My other buddy, Greg, uh, he built 138. We started at the same time. He built his to $138 million. And when he sold it, he got 82 million. And so I built mine to 35 million. And when I sold, I got 150. We both busted our ass. What he didn't do is he kept dragging a partner along with him that wasn't working. And, and he spent 50% of his time fighting with his partner from 600,000 until he sold for a hundred, you know, that's like, and then he still had to pay the partner half. So he spent all those years bitching every time I'd see him about his bad partner. And I'm like, dude, man, I'll kill you. Exit the guy, get rid of him, or just forget about him and just build your company. And so what reference point did that give me? Well, when I meet Ephraim and, and he's got potential partnership issues, it's like, let's confront it right now. And then we do. And what does your partner say? The guy that you thought was going to be there forever. And we confront the situation. And almost immediately, what did he say? <laughs> Yeah, so he left. He had different goals and aspirations at that point. So he exited out, and then uh, we've—I mean, we've done way more since he's been gone in the last two and a half years than we did in the eight years that he was there. So he wasn't a bad guy, but he just wasn't the the alignment piece is that core value. And you know what happens? Actually, he's a phenomenal guy. Yeah. Right. But and and but but what happens? Let me just tell you guys what happens. You tend to start to become reliant on people you're close to. And then you don't want to confront that they're not really as ambitious or uh, want to be developed or as uh, have as big appetite as you. So you start spending your time acquiescing to the people around you versus owning the direction you're going to go. And that's when uh, you guys hear me say when people start polling, P-O-L-L-I-N-G, what do you think I ought to do? Do you think we should do that? Do you think we should use this brand? Do you think we should add this product? Do you think we should call this and everyone's sitting in the room in a conference room. I don't know what their opinions. Blah, 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 and, not, and, and that's what drives you and me crazy because we, we've got drivers. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, there's systems and processes that build businesses, not like ideas. I mean, ideas are whatever. I mean, ideas, everyone has a thousand ideas. You know, he said it. Uh, I don't know if you guys caught it, so I want to reiterate it, and then we're going to go to lunch here. He said... When the teams were all swirling with their ideas and they're all trying to figure out what to track, I said, look, let's stop the madness, pick the three things that create the most value for the company, let's perfect that first. So getting down to the 80-20 rule or the 20-80 rule, 20% 20 of what you do that creates 80% of your value and, and at least perfecting that because then it's easier to systematize, it's, either, it's easier to put data around it, and then the other 50 or 100 things that you're trying to do and measure, like, that's fine. But that takes second and third priority over the 80% that drives most of the value. Yes, Michael. Hey, Mike. So great having you in the room and, I love and, you, Mike. and in the uh, ecosystem. It's awesome. Um, when, when you sold your business, uh, it sounds like you were in what Brandon calls Breakpoint 6, integrated technology. Yeah. Was there yeah. a relationship with you selling your business at that break point? Like, okay, I'm at a spot where I don't know how to smash through this and it's going to be easier. Like sell it now. I've got someone on the hook instead of pushing to his next break point, which is the platform company. I feel like the technology was a benefit. Like they, the 
private equity group saw it as a as a big like benefit. Like it, it was a they saw that as very valuable because you had you had got to the point we had got to that point and they saw even though it wasn't perfected and like I was earlier on and when we started this I was like it doesn't have to be perfect let's just make it okay like good enough to work like uh, we caught that they were good <laughs> guess what it was good enough to work and because it was good enough to work the private equity group saw it as like the most beneficial thing ever so it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be like Oh, it, it's like, oh, they have a system and it's keeping, it's tracking shit and it's, it's keeping track of the accounting. It's keeping track of the inventory. We have, we have like solid financials. Our accounting firm can come in here and check everything. Our legal team can come in here and check everything. Like, because we had a, a system, not the perfect system, but a system that is what matters. So it was almost like you, you set, you gave them a softball pitch to turn it into a platform company and let them do the work and you got paid. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, a platform company. I think about that. A, a co platform companies are usually 120, you know, 100 to 125 oh, million. There, yeah. They weren't they weren't there yet, and 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 so, let me ask you this: We question. probably aren't close now, but we weren't we weren't then. You knew though that from the valuation at that point in time, because of the way things were being valued and the credit markets were so low. See, today you wouldn't most businesses aren't going to get that value because it's private equity group has to access capital where they can leverage something five turns of debt, six turns of debt a year and a half ago. Today, it's going to be three or four turns of debt. And instead of doing it at 3%, it's going to be at seven or 8%. So that immediately cuts down on the valuation because you can't afford to pay that kind of money and, and afford that kind of debt. And the banks aren't extending that kind of debt because it's high risk now. And they're all nervous, right? So, so now all of a sudden, all deals are, are different. I have to presume that some advisor told you, dude, you could triple the size of your company and still not get this much money. I spent a lot of, nobody, no advisor did that, but I did spend a lot of time, does this sound weird, like walking through the woods and thinking about this decision and every like, I had like this thing called the decision deck and I went through every possible angle of this decision of my life because it was the, I mean, it was the biggest decision I ever made and it only took me like a week to make it. But at the same time, it was like, I've never thought like, I've never like gone back on it and been like, oh, I made the wrong decision. I've, I've, I've known like since the day I made the decision because I spent so much time being like very intentional and thoughtful about it, that it was the right decision. And um, I should share that with you guys. I'm gonna send you guys all the, the questions that are in, in this decision deck because it's fucking wild. Like, it makes you think through everything. It makes you think through every different like aspect of a situation. And then you're like, oh, and then at the end of the day, there's no like gut check. You know, it's like, oh, I did it. I made the right decision. I'm pretty happy with it. And I think, I think, you know, like, like to me, I mean, just from a, I ask myself this question all the time, but what would be the amount of money if somebody walked up to me right now and said, well, buy what you built. Cause it's so amazing. And I can tell you that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars when you came from nothing is really difficult to say no to. So Plus, I wouldn't make the, I, I'm not making the decisions that the private equity group is making right now. And, and that's a negative on me. Like I was the founder, the owner, the, I financed the whole thing, um, just reinvesting into the business. And like, so I had like so many different, like, Every decision I made, it's like, okay, am I making this from a founder's perspective, from a from like a fiduciary's per perspective, or the CEO perspective? And having those like three roles like way in my mind, it was like each one of those roles may make a different decision. And I always pull me in a different way. Having these guys have the, they just have one goal in mind. It's very very clear, very focused, and that makes a big difference in a business where you don't have to like think about like. Like, you don't have to like, ha you don't have to make a decision from three roles. They're just making it from one role and it's, it's working. I love it. They're like, they're good. Last question and then we'll go to lunch. Thanks so much, Michael. Um, I got a quick question. When you, I'm sure you were getting offers all the time to buy your business. How did you kind of land on these guys? And what was it in the negotiation 
process? Did they did they come in with a certain offer and you said, I'm not even willing to talk unless I get this number? How did you get that high EBITDA or how, how did they yeah. consider it? So, I mean, Brandon probably speak better on this because he's probably gone through the process more than I have. I've gone through it once and it is a, it's a process in terms of like, it's not more than a process. It's like, I mean, process slash system in terms of like, you, you, you hire a, you hire a investment banker and they bring companies in. I mean, luckily along the, along the way, I was able to meet with a lot of private equity groups at trade shows and things of that matter. I had great relationships. I felt bad saying no to like some of these guys who like, or my like homies who were like, hey, we've been like together for years. Like we went out drinking, playing basketball together. Like we did a lot of cool shit together. And like at the end of the day, yes, they were, they got a seat at the table, you know? They got a seat at the table and someone, I mean, someone might have said no, which is really uncomfortable. But um, what made me pick the company that I, I went with, the private equity group I, I went with, um, the people. It was, it was the people, not just the people on their team, but the, like their, the way they reacted with my team as well. And when, when I say reacted, I mean like they kept, the, they kept my team on staff. They kept everyone employed. They, they, every promise that they made, they kept, it's like, and they're a big, I mean, they're a big group too, which is nice, but like they kept their promises, like just good people. And honestly, when it came down to it, it was just like, yeah, we had to find like the right people. It wasn't, it wasn't an auction. If that's what you mean, you know, sometimes like it's an auction, like highest bidder wins. Like that wasn't it. Like if I wanted to do the highest bidder wins, like I probably would have went with a different, different group. But these guys were right. And they were like in the Northeast. I'm, I'm from upstate New York. They're from Boston. Like just good people. And I, I like enjoy doing business with them. Did you have any piece of your business that you had to roll forward? Or did, was it just a straight deal and you're out? I mean, it's straight deal and I'm out. But I mean, I don't have like a, like any, I don't have to hit anything or anything. Um, so they didn't say keep 20% of your equity in no, the deal? No, it's still my biggest asset by far. So you do have equity in the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm like, yeah. So I'm like still like the biggest shareholder of Deathwish Club. So you so you had another you get another bite of the apple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a great coffee, by the way. <laughs> All right, one more, and then we gotta go to lunch. Don't you love it when we have such interesting, successful people in the room with us? So one very quick question. Hello, Michael. Um, when you knew you were exiting, did you set up like a compensation plan for your team? And what did that look like? Yes. Great question. So I had, a, I had a phantom share plan set up beforehand. Also, what a pain in the ass it was to set that up. Like you just need to find, honestly, I've talked with so many lawyers and I went through so much, I probably spent so much money until I found the right lawyer I don't know if Brandon, I don't know if you know people, but like there's only a handful of people who can do it right. Do it and do it right. And you guys, how many times have you heard that from me? Jesus. It was nuts. I like spent so much, so much money and time. Getting the wrong plans in front of me. I'm like, this is the opposite of what's hard. Anyways, um, so yes, I had a phantom share plan in place for my key people and so that was nice. Everyone like got like a, everyone got everyone cash down. Everyone was happy. Um, however, I mean, when I sold the company, I did keep it like under wraps for a while. Like I didn't like go around like shoot for like shouting from the rooftop rooftops. I was selling it. Like my team didn't know I was selling the company until like a day or two before, which kind of felt a little shitty to me. But at the same time, I, I knew it was necessary because. It was like one of those, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I don't know. Let me tell you what happens. It's weird. Let me I, didn't want to, I didn't want anybody to jump and shoot. Yeah, let me tell you what happens. When people find out you're in the sales process, they start trying to figure out what they're going to get out of the deal. Oh, yeah. People don't give a shit about me. They give a shit about themselves. And they should. Like, that's, they should. That's why, unfortunately, that's like one of like the weird sides of it. I don't really keep it to yourself until it's like, well, so what happens is they start thinking about themselves. Then they start 
posturing with you as a business owner and wanting to know, hey, what's in it for me? If they don't get the answers, they start to get disengaged. Sales process is going on and now you get a group of people that are like, hey, we've got enough leverage here that we can go in and actually pull a, what do you call it, a coup d'etat? Like they come in and all of a sudden 12 of his big, hey, we know you're doing a deal. They're asking us a lot of questions too. We see the activity. We wanna know what we're gonna get out of it. We helped you do it. And they start putting the screws to you. And if you're not conforming, then they start trying to figure, they, they trying to show you the leverage they have in the deal. So I'm just telling you that if I'm working with you outside of the inner circle of whoever absolutely needs to be involved, like your finance person for getting the numbers or maybe an operations person they're gonna to wanna to interview, it's gonna be a tight circle. And outside of that is nobody's business. Cause say he goes to that whole gyration, tells everybody, and let's say everyone knows they go home and they check their phantom stock option plan. And they're like, oh my God, when this deal goes through, we're gonna have a million dollars or 2 million. And then they go tell their wives and they're all spending the money in their head. And then the deal doesn't happen. I made and a lot of Now they're gonna say, now they're gonna say he screwed it all up, even if it wasn't the right deal. And so, the less you tell people, because once they start cashing the eggs, they're checked out. That's true. You don't want people to know you're going through a process. When we sold Audigy, what we did very aggressively is told everyone in our company, we were gonna go out to the marketplace and add three new suppliers to our business. So all the activity and all the meetings we were taking, everyone assumed it was because we were gonna add new suppliers in our supply channel. And so when we announced, boom, we sold the company. I flew home, everyone, because it was a public company that bought us, so you, you can't say anything until they say something. So I flew home, they announced on Sunday night in Denmark, which was Monday. I had a Monday morning meeting with all of our team and said, this is what I told them. I said, we were out shopping for suppliers and unbeknownst to us, a couple of the suppliers in order to be our suppliers also asked if they could maybe buy our business. And so we found, we got an offer we couldn't refuse. So we took the offer up. And that's how I presented it to the team. Because the truth is, it's none of their business. I, I was the sole owner of the business. Besides my clients, I gave equity to, and I had an equity pool that was done correctly for our team. Um, and it's true, most lawyers screw all that up. And, and, and I just believe somebody has to be the adult and nobody on my team has ever sold anything, nor did I want them distracted counting their, counting how much money they were gonna get. But we also gave every single employee in the company, we paid out $15 million to our employees. So the fun part of that morning meeting was, you could go look at how many years you'd been in the company and, and how much money you were making and it showed you how much you were gonna get. So if, my, if I was true, Heather, so if I was my first day on the job ever, I might've got a check for 3,500 bucks. But if I had been there for eight or 10 years and I was a director, I don't know what we paid, 30, 50 grand. And if you were a senior director or we just went up to Adam EMM, how much do we pay the senior directors? 75 and then somebody got 125 and then you got up to a VP, you got a million. That's life changing. Yeah, and then, and then my president got 12 million. Because he'd been there for 14 years, had eight bosses, and he was the president by the time he had the highest pay. So I just took the pay, the years that are there, created a matrix, and it, it wasn't like me, I like that person. No, I didn't even know half the people that were getting paid. And we just ran it through the, the model, and that's what it was. So everyone got checks. You know, everyone was excited to get their checks. But one of the things I did do is I took, I took half of my earnout. And I took that same model and I put half of my earnout on top of that model. And I said to the key, all the way down to the director level. And I said, hey, there's still uh, five or six million of earnout. In fact, actually there was 10 million of earnout. That's how my president ended up getting 12 million is he got half the earnout. And the other 4 million went to everybody else that stayed on the team. But the buyer said to me, "This we've never had a seller do this. I engineered all that to the buyer and I also did the waterfall for my customers who are partners. So everyone in the whole company from our customers to our employees were all tied into the five-year earnout, which is why we hit all our numbers and blew them away. So knowing how to sell a business and setting it up properly is more important than even your numbers. Everyone loves you, right? 
I have, well, I don't know that everyone does. They should. I was talking to Toby this morning in the gym. I'm like, Toby, it's so weird. I'm like, the mentality of an entrepreneur is not the same mentality as someone who works for an entrepreneur. And it took me a long, a couple few years to, to, to learn that. So what you did, and yes, I mean, what, what I did when, when giving the, those employees like that bump, at, I mean, not the bump, like that equity at the end, or like all of a sudden they get, they get hit with like a, a waterfall of cash. It like changes their lives. It like gives them, it's not like, it's, it's, man, like people cry. It's cool. It was cool. Awesome. Well, listen, guys, thank you very much. Let's go to have a great lunch together. And we'll see you after lunch.